When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the most excitement I have genuinely felt in the past six weeks, and by that I mean since Friday. And welcome back to Unladylike. It's been a while. I'm Kristen. I'm here alone. Caroline's not here. As you know, if you've listened to the last episode that came out over two months ago, and believe it or not, I've been making podcast episodes this whole time, but they've just been over on Patreon, where for $5 a month, you can support Unladylike and listen to new ad-free episodes every week. But even though I'm in an admittedly kind of awkward place of rolling solo, I had to come back on the main feed because, look, if our constitutional rights to abortion and, and bodily autonomy and who knows what's next are gone. I'm not, I'm not going to fucking wait around for perfection. I'm not going to wait. Ar- I'm not, I'm not going to wait around friends. I'm not going to wait around. So I wanted to bring y'all Friday's episode from Patreon where I cracked open Dobbs v. Jackson and tried to just not spiral into rage at every turn. I'm so fucking angry. I am dismayed. I'm disappointed. I'm exasperated. I'm all of the things that I'm sure you are. And I'm sure that that you also feel all sorts of different things as well. It's a mess. It's a mess. <sighs> Breaking news. <laughs> I've had enough. This morning I woke up (laughs) bright and early at 6.30 and I was honestly surprised how instantly alert I was and ready to start the day. And then I remembered why, which was at 10 o'clock there would be a new batch of Supreme Court opinions being released today. And I, y'all, I really thought my prediction was that they were going to wait until Monday to release Dobbs v. Jackson and just give give America one last one last weekend, you know? Nevertheless, a few minutes after 10 a.m., I hopped on SCOTUS blog and saw that, oh, bing, bang, boom, there it is, there it is, here it is, oh my God, it's done. There it is. There it is. All caps. And it's a strange feeling, right? Because it's not a surprise. 
hello, leak. But it's no less devastating and surreal also given (laughs) given the magnitude of the other Supreme Court cases that have been decided and are still on the way for next week. One involving school prayer, but there have already been the cases stripping away (laughs) gun safety laws and Miranda rights. The only thing this court really gives a fuck about is church and guns. Wow. That is unfortunate. I'm talking to y'all early Friday afternoon, so things are still kind of sinking in. Anyone who says, oh, yeah, you know, tries to just say this is whatever, we knew this would happen. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'm here to say you're allowed to feel very big emotions about this. <laughs> I I quickly had to get off Twitter, specifically the the SCOTUS blog Twitter, because just 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 take it from me and avoid I mean avoid the platform altogether probably for for today. <laughs> it will be a cesspool. But just in the the replies on the SCOTUS blog tweet announcing the Dobbs v. Jackson decision, y'all, there were so many white Lindas and Kathys crying tears of joy. Oh, blessed day. And I said to myself, Kathys, Lindas, I'm out of here. Because I wanted to talk to y'all. I'm going to take a look at the actual text of the thing. I'm not going to do a full-blown read-through of the final version like I did for the leaked draft. Because Samuel Alito doesn't deserve that much of my fucking time. Although I will be reading y'all some very alarming bits and bobs of Justice Thomas's concurring opinion, as well as what are three dissenters holding it down, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Breyer had to say. But first, what did the court actually decide? What does this Supreme Court opinion mean legally? I mean, what it means for me, someone who's not on birth control and not interested in getting pregnant, it means maybe I should stock up on plan B. That shit is expensive. And that, that, that is me coming from like the most privileged position as a cishet white married woman and is fucking with my sex life. Enraging. Enraging. Okay, let's get Alito and Co. out of the way first. See what these fucking ding-dongs had to say. And I thought Justice John Roberts was also supposed to be one of one of our protectors of precedent. The king of stare decisis, like what the fuck? Six Six to three ruling. Six to three ruling. As a reminder, the way this case even came about is that Jackson Women's Health Organization sued the state of Mississippi after the state enacted Mississippi's Gestational Age Act, 
which provides that, quote, except in a medical emergency or in the case of a severe fetal abnormality, a person shall not intentionally or knowingly perform or induce an abortion of an unborn human being if the probable gestational age of the unborn human being, that language, y'all, has been determined to be greater than 15 weeks. So Jackson Women's Health Organization, an abortion clinic, and one of its doctors challenged the act in federal district court, alleging that it violated this court's precedents establishing a constitutional right to abortion, in particular Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey. And I forgot to turn the fan off. And my apologies if I forget to edit that out. So in federal district court, Jackson Women's Health Organization won the case. They took it to the Fifth Circuit Court. It also sided with Jackson Women's Health Organization. So then it was up to the Supreme Court whether or not to hear like a a final plea on it. And they said, yeah, sure, we'll take it up, even though even though we've got the Fifth Circuit and the federal district court saying, listen, this is unconstitutional. And going back to the text, before this court, petitioners defend the act on the grounds that Roe and Casey were wrongly decided and that the act is constitutional because it satisfies rational basis review. Oh, boy. Held. The Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. The critical question is whether the Constitution, properly understood, confers a right to obtain an abortion. Casey's controlling opinion skipped over that question and reaffirmed Roe solely on the basis of stare decisis. A proper application of stare decisis, however, requires an assessment of the strength of the grounds on which Roe was based. The court, therefore, turns to the question that the Casey plurality did not consider. Well, that seems like going around your ass to get to your elbow. First, the court reviews the standard. Okay, I'm not going to read this whole syllabus because it's not even the actual opinion. It's just five, six, seven, eight pages of them just really hitting the highlights of how they came to this asinine decision. And the very the very last note in the syllabus is abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. The court overrules those decisions and returns that authority to the people and their elected representatives. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. That sounds dark. Because I'm not a legal scholar, but even to my untrained eye, seeing citizens rather than like it's it's not unconstitutional for states to prohibit or regulate abortion, that would make more sense than saying 
that it doesn't prohibit the citizens from regulating or prohibiting abortion, i.e. bounty hunting laws. Oh, wow. I mean, (laughs) and we haven't even gotten into the official text. Here we go. Thomas E. Dobbs, state health officer of the Mississippi Department of Health et al., petitioners v. Jackson Women's Health Organization et al. Thomas E. Dobbs. I didn't realize that the Dobbs and Dobbs v. Jackson was a man named Dobbs. Thomas E. Dobbs. Y'all, I got to take a second. See what old, what old Tommy D looks like. I'm going to guess he's an older white man. He looks like the older brother of someone I went to school with. And by that, I mean, he looks like a good old boy. He's got kind of a mischievous smile and a slightly clefted chin. And he's a third. He's Thomas E. Dobbs the third. What the fuck? Wait, is this the right guy? State health officer. Thomas Dobbs, Dr. Thomas Dobbs has been the state health officer for Mississippi since 2018. He is an infectious diseases physician working at the intersection of public health and patient care, both domestically and internationally, with specific expertise in HIV, tuberculosis, and health equity. Okay, and now I'm seeing that in March, the Mississippi State Department of Health announced that state health officer Thomas Dobbs will resign from his position at the end of July 2022. I am so confused as to why he's named. I guess they sued in order to sue the state. It's the Department of Health that enforces it, and he's been the head guy at the Department of Health. I don't know. Anyway, some infectious diseases dude named Thomas is apparently the titular Dobbs. Okay, and now, now, let's dip into the actual text. I'm just giving a quick skim, and it's... I don't know that he changed it all that much between the leaked draft and the final draft. Paragraph two, even though the Constitution makes no mention of abortion, the court held that it confers a broad right to obtain one. I mean, if we play that game, even though the Constitution makes no mention of black people, The court held that, fill in the blank, it's fucking Mad Libs. It did not claim that American law or the common law had ever recognized it. It it reads like a just one long well actually of like, well, this you didn't cite common law back in 1973. Like, what the fuck? Shit like this. The Virginia law in force in 1863 stated, quote, any free person who shall administer to or cause to be taken by a woman in italics, any drug or other thing or used by any means with intent to destroy her unborn child or produce such abortion or miscarriage shall be confined in the penitentiary not less 
than one nor more than five years. Cool. Yeah, let's definitely let's definitely build on that. Let's let's build from that foundation, friends. All right, what do we have here? Okay, okay. And here goes Justice Thomas. <sighs> I joined the opinion of the court because it correctly holds that there is no constitutional right to abortion. Respondents invoke one source for that right. The 14th Amendment's guarantee that no state shall, quote, deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law, end quote. The court well explains why, under our substantive due process precedents, the purported right to abortion is not a form of, quote-unquote, liberty protected by the due process clause. Such a right is neither, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and traditions, nor, quote, implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Oh, my God. That that takes me right back. Oh, if it's not deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition, we don't want it. The idea that the framers of the 14th Amendment understood the Due Process Clause to protect a right to abortion is farcical. Well, no shit. Oh, my God. Like, law is only based on what, like, a select group of white men could conceive of mentally. Here we go. All right. This, this, is where, this is where it gets really troubling. In future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Obervel, because any substantive due process decision is demonstrably erroneous, and we have a duty to correct the error established in those precedents. After overruling these demonstrably erroneous decisions, as in, he's talking about Griswold, Lawrence, and Obervel, the question would remain whether other constitutional provisions guarantee the myriad rights that our substantive due process cases have generated. For example, we could consider whether any of the rights announced in this court's substantive due process cases are privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States protected by the 14th Amendment. Oh, my God. To answer that question, we would need to decide important antecedent questions, including whether the Privileges or Immunities Clause protects any rights that are not enumerated in the Constitution, and if so, how to identify those rights. That said, even if the clause does protect unenumerated rights, the court conclusively demonstrates that abortion is not one of them under any plausible interpretive approach. A fucking asshole. Moreover, apart from being a demonstrably incorrect reading of the Due Process Clause, the legal fiction of substantive due process is particularly dangerous. At least three dangers favor jettisoning the doctrine entirely. Holy shit. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now today, the court rightly overrules Roe and Casey, two of this court's most notoriously incorrect substantive due process decisions, 
after more than 63 million abortions have been performed. See National Right to Life Committee abortion statistics. The harm caused by this court's forays into substantive due process remains immeasurable. And he's citing 63 million abortions, source citation, the National Right to Life Committee. How is, oh my God, how is it acceptable to cite a statistic from the National Right to Life Committee, which also sounds wildly inflated? And then here comes Kavanaugh. Here comes Kavanaugh. I write separately to explain my additional views about why Roe was wrongly decided, why Roe should be overruled at this time, and the future implications of today's decision, which I have marked very thoroughly on my calendar right next to gym time with Squee. God, I mean, also, can can you guys get get a little more creative in your setups? Abortion is a profoundly difficult and contentious issue because it presents an irreconcilable conflict between the interests of a pregnant woman who seeks an abortion and the interests in protecting fetal life. Sorry, sir. Like, the interests in protecting fetal life? That's called maternal health care. And we have that, although it's not as good as it should be either. Kavanaugh is trying to have it both ways. I have a deep and unyielding respect for the justices who wrote the Casey plurality opinion. And I respect the Casey plurality's good faith effort to locate some middle ground or compromise that could resolve this controversy for America. But as has become increasingly evident over time, Casey's well-intentioned effort did not resolve the abortion debate. The national division has not ended. Okay, so also that's that's the metric. I know this is not a perfect analogy, but it's like arguing against the Civil Rights Act because it didn't solve racism. I'm genuinely befuddled. I don't I do not understand how how you can how you can defend such a willfully narrow viewpoint Kavanaugh goes on to write first is a question of how this decision will affect other precedents involving issues such as contraception and marriage in particular Griswold v Connecticut Einstein v Baird Loving v Virginia and Obervel v Hodges I emphasize what the court states today. Overruling Roe does not mean the overruling of those precedents and does not threaten or cast doubt on those precedents. How? How? When you have Justice Thomas saying exactly the opposite. Come on. Second, as I see it, some of the other abortion-related legal questions raised by today's decision are not especially difficult as a constitutional matter. For example, may a state bar a resident of that state from traveling to another state to obtain an abortion? In my view, the answer is no, based on the constitutional right to interstate travel. May a state retroactively impose liability or punishment for an abortion that occurred before today's decision takes effect? In my view, the answer is no, based on the due process clause or the ex post facto clause. 
other abortion-related legal questions may emerge in the future, but this court will no longer decide the fundamental question of whether abortion must be allowed throughout the United States through six weeks or 12 weeks or 15 weeks or 24 weeks or some other line. I mean, we're just sick of talking about it. It's like, oh, I mean, let's just we said, you know what? Enough of this fuss. Enough of this hemming and hawing. Let's just pull the plug. So this court will no longer decide how to evaluate the interests of the pregnant woman and the interests in protecting fetal life throughout pregnancy, which, again, that is a really loaded pro-life euphemism for what is actually just called uh, maternal health care pregnant people going to the doctor anyway. Instead, those difficult moral and policy questions will be decided as the Constitution dictates by the people and their elected representatives through the constitutional process of democratic self-government. Okay, so you're also saying, hey, you know what? Casey did not resolve the national debate over abortion, and yet the answer is ultimately remove the right entirely and let us decide for ourselves how is that any different i hate i hate this i hate i hate this i hate this to be sure many americans will disagree with the court's decision today that would be true no matter how the court decided the case both sides on the abortion issue believe sincerely and passionately in the rightness of their cause, especially in those difficult and fraught circumstances. The court must scrupulously adhere to the Constitution's neutral position on the issue of abortion. So Kavanaugh is basically trying to say, like, OK, listen, um, it's really it's not as bad as you think. OK, like, <laughs> I mean, Right to birth control, same-sex marriage, that's all going to be fine. We just got rid of one fundamental constitutional right, and now it's just up to y'all. Okay, bye. I gotta go. I gotta go on summer vacation. Bye-bye. Kavanaugh, don't try to fucking gaslight here, to use an overused term. Don't shit on a bowl of ice cream and call it a Sunday. All right? Okay, friends, I'm <laughs> I'm rapidly wearing myself out. I still need to read the full dissent, but I'm going to do that thing sometimes you do with books and flip to the very last page. Okay, so they're talking about Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which was, I believe, in 92 or 91. For overruling Roe, Casey concluded, the court would pay a terrible price. The justices who wrote those words, O'Connor, Kennedy, and Souter, they were judges of wisdom. They would not have won any contests for the kind of ideological purity some court watchers want justices to deliver. But if there were awards for justices who left this court better than they found it, and who for that reason left this country better, and the rule of law stronger, sign those justices up. They knew that, quote, the legitimacy of this court is earned over time, end quote. They also would have recognized that it can be destroyed much more quickly. 
They worked hard to avert that outcome in Casey. The American public, they thought, should never conclude that its constitutional protections hung by a thread, that a new majority adhering to a new doctrinal school could, by dint of numbers alone, expunge their rights. It is hard, no, it is impossible to conclude that anything else has happened here. One of us once said that it is not often in the law that so few have so quickly changed so much. For all of us, in our time on this court, that has never been more true than today. In overruling Roe and Casey, this court betrays its guiding principles. With sorrow for this court, but more for the many millions of American women who have today lost a fundamental constitutional protection, we dissent. Well, my brain is officially melting, and I haven't even gotten to trigger laws. If you want more of a what-do-I-do-now kind of episode, pop on back to abortion to-do list. I'll also put the same resources into this episode, Patreon post as well, so y'all can check those out. And I hope y'all are hanging in there, breathing, breathing, and save your energy if if you feel the need to go fight with people who are pumped about this like just funnel it funnel it elsewhere because it's not worth your time but what is worth your time is if you're able to donate give it locally go to keep our clinics go to abortion care network and that's a great place where you can give locally to practical support funds, abortion funds, and independent clinics that really, really, really need help. Not to say that Planned Parenthood doesn't need love as well, but um, they they just have a lot more resources. So with that, I'm going to go step outside for a minute. And yes, I'm going to listen to Break My Soul until I feel human again. Thank you all so much for being here. Your support means everything. And I'm just honestly really grateful that I had y'all to talk to today. Oh, my goodness. Let me know how y'all are doing in the comments. And I will talk to y'all very soon. <laughs>